Well, good morning, everyone. Todd, thanks so much for those songs. It leads right into what I have to share this morning. Isn't God great how he brings everything together like that? And uh, so I was talking with someone this morning. I said, this is going to be a little bit unfamiliar ground. Generally, I like to tell stories, and this morning I'm not going to be doing a, a, a Bible story. So it's a little bit different for me. But anyway, we want to give God all the praise and the glory. And uh, so this morning I just want to share, uh, the title is Resting in the Security of the Promises of God and, and Reflecting on Psalm 91 as we do that. And... Um, so having security in our spiritual life gives us confidence to be able to live effectively and be able to impact other people through encouragement. Our security lies in the hope of our creator God's promises from his word and living out those promises by the aid of the Holy Spirit. And so I trust that I can challenge you with that and hang on to the promises of God that we, that we do find in Psalm 91. And uh, one of the things that, the reason I was drawn towards Psalm 91 is we look around our, our world that we live in right now. What kind of world do we live in? We live in a crazy, hectic, chaotic life. We're all so busy we don't know which end is up at times. And uh, so that was sort of how I was drawn to share I want to share about Psalm 91 and when we're so busy so many times myself I forget to take the time of resting in the arms of Jesus and just let him fill me let him take away my cares let him just care for me so I trust that we can do, do that this morning and as we go through life I'm sure all of us face all kinds of difficulties there's a all kinds of things that as we go through life we face and each person is different and each challenge before each person is different than someone else losses losses of jobs losses of loved ones lots of losses in this life not sure where we're going to go next uncertainty of the times What's happening? What's happening with our economy? What's going to be happening? But do we need to worry about that? I feel we don't. Because God is there for us. Even in our finances, our jobs, like I mentioned before. Chaos. Sometimes our families, we feel like we're in chaos. We're just running in circles. And different things come up in our families. We can't communicate properly. We fight. We have disagreements. We have arguments. We have discussions. Health issues. God, what am I going to do? I'm faced with a big, looks like a big mountain with my health. What do I do, God? But we can all bring it, bring all of those issues before our Heavenly Father. 
And I was thinking about that. And I was thinking, who in the Bible faced everything like that? And I had to think of David. My mind was drawn towards David because what we're, we're doing, that's what our Bible school is going to be focusing on this year. And I'm leading, I'm trying to direct the, the skits. And so my mind was just automatically drawn to David. David went through a lot of different things. If you look at David's life, well, anyway, um, God said he was a man after his own heart. And so we can um, look at Acts 13, verse 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up from them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. So there's a, God chose David to be that next king to be put in place. But we know he had difficulties in his life, all during his life. Psalm 119, verses 2 and 3, read this way. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Verses 47 and 48 say this, And I will delight myself in your commandments. This is sort of a response back. I will delight myself in your commandments, which I love. My hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. So we can focus on that. David committed himself to God, and we can do that. And the songs we sung this morning reflected on that. We can come before the cross. We can lay it all before the cross of Jesus Christ. And not have to worry about it. It's in God's hands. Easier said than done, right? A lot easier said than done. We look at David's life. He was the youngest of a whole string of boys. What do we usually think of the youngest boy or the youngest person in the family? Spoiled rotten, right? But maybe David wasn't. I think he had a tough road to hoe. I mean, he was looked down upon. His brothers despised him. When he went to the battlefield to check up on his brothers, they said, what did you come here for? Just to see the battle? Well, his father had sent him there. So he was despised by his brothers just for doing what his father had asked him to do. Sort of caught in a one-way or in a two-way battle there. He was a shepherd boy. He had to take care of the sheep. That was the lowliest task you could have in a family. Be out there on on the hills taking care of the sheep. So lots of different things there. What about his family? His family growing up, he had obviously not the best relationship with his brothers. But then his own family... And failures in his own family in life when he was, well, first of the things, there was lots of attempts made on his life. He had to run for his life. King Saul, first of all, then a son. And so there was lots of difficulties in his life. 
Can we relate to that? We're just running. We're, we're, we're in constant struggle maybe with our own families. And David was that. Later on, when he became king, what, what did he do? He was involved in sexual sin, sexual immorality. He sinned against God. And then that led to murder. Definitely not the type of person you'd think is a man after God's own heart. But what happened after that? Loss of his firstborn with Bathsheba. Another loss. Lots of different things. Difficult things in his life. But then we can look at what he did so many times. He used fellowship and worship of God to calm his heart. To come before him and worship him. And that's what we did this morning. To calm our hearts. And so I hope this morning as we look at Psalm 91, we can do the same thing. We can look at all the promises God has given us in Psalm 91. And apply them to our own lives. And trust in him. We can look at uh, Psalm 51 as well. He repented. He cried out to God, God, forgive me for all that I've done. I know that I've sinned against you. But first he had to, be, had to be made aware of it. A friend made him aware of his own sin. But when he actually uh, realized it and came and, and acknowledged it, he repented and he went before the Lord and he asked him for, for forgiveness. And so I can trust that we, we can do all of that as well. We can come before the Lord. We can ask him for forgiveness. We can ask him to help in times of need. And we can, and so Psalm 91, there's so many times if we turn to Psalm 91, maybe we can look at it. It might be a calm in the midst of the storm if we read the, all of those promises in there. And I've done that multiple times in my own life. Reading Psalm 91 just to calm my soul and to rest before him. And I know there's been several times in having been married to Rhoda now, she said, this seems like a time to read Psalm 91. Different things that we've been going through life. And she just brings it to mind. I think we need to read Psalm 91. And so I've been very thankful that she has reminded me time and time again that we need to turn to God. We need to turn to God to calm our hearts, to calm our spirits, and just focus on God. Because there's a lot of promises in there some of the background uh, tied in with and miscellaneous information tied in with Psalm 91 we look at a psalm what do you think is the definition of a psalm Miriam Webster places it this way a sacred song or poem used in worship that's what we were doing this morning right we were worshiping God then you look at the Greek 
I'm not a Greek freak like uh, Merlin is, but I, I looked it up a little bit just to see, and I can't pronounce those words, so I'm not even going to attempt it. But anyway, there it says, a set piece of music accompanied with the voice, harp, or instrument. And that word comes from a root word, which means to rub or touch, twitch or twang, which is basically talking about playing a stringed instrument, which there were stringed instruments playing this morning in our worship time. And obviously the uh, stringed instruments back in those days were different than they are now. But anyway, the author of Psalm 91. There's two sides, people looking at Psalm 91. Uh, the, the author of it. It could be two different people. Some people claim it is Moses and Moses only. And that's from the, there's claims from the Midrash, which is the Jewish interpretation of the Talmud. And uh, the Talmud is a record of the rabbinical debates in the 2nd to the 5th century on the teachings of the Torah. Both trying to understand how they apply and seeking answers for the situations they themselves are encountering. And the Torah includes both rabbinic Judaism's written and oral law serving to encompass the entire spectrum of the authoritative Jewish religious teachings throughout history. And then another reason that they give is, well, Psalm 91 comes right after Psalm 90, right? And we know for a fact that Psalm 90 was written by Moses. We have proof of that. So why shouldn't Psalm 91 also have been written by Moses? And it was claimed to have been written right after the tabernacle was finished, being built out there in the desert. And so it was a time of worshiping God in that way, acknowledging God and thanking God for the promises, looking at that way. Then David comes up. David also is... No thought to have been the author of Psalm 91. And I'm not going to debate who, who it was, but here um, the Septuagint su uh, supports that, which is a Greek translation of the, of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Old Testament. Other people say it was written by Moses and compiled by David. So we have a lot of different things there, and it doesn't matter. It's God's Word, right? And we can trust in God that God wrote Psalm 91 for a purpose. And that purpose is to claim those promises. First several verses, first 13 verses of Psalm 90, uh, uh, 91 uh, is outlined as, as wisdom literature. There's lots of things there we can grasp. And then verses 14 through 16, it is God speaking his divine purposes. So at this time, I would like to read Psalm 91 and just sort of have you sit back, relax, and soak, soak it in. Think about what God is speaking to us in this text as I read Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord... He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. 
He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your right side, at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. We can take it to heart. We can look at it. We can read upon it. We can meditate upon it. And let it soothe our souls. Let it soothe our spirits. Let, it, let us feel the peace as those promises bring to us. And foremost, be thankful that we can have your written word before us. That we can go back on it and reflect upon it. And give you honor and glory as we commit our lives to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look at Psalm 91, there's lots of different things that we can look in all of these different verses. In verse 1 there, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. I, it's a declaration that we can make to come before God. And we can trust Him. But we have to have that relationship with Him. Actually, I said the wrong verse, didn't I? Verse, verse 1, I read the wrong verse. I verse, read verse 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. But there again, it's talking about we have to have a close relationship with God in order to what? Experience being in the shadow. Because if, we don't, if we're not close to anything, we can't be underneath His shadow. We can't be, uh, abide under that shadow if we're not close. There might be a tree out in the middle of the field and we want might want to be under that shadow to be uh, saved from all the, the, the heat that we've been having the, and the sun bearing down. We've got to get close to that, have a close relationship with that tree. We have to be in close proximity to that tree. And the same thing with my own life, with, G with God and with Jesus, in order to be under that shadow. 
to be overshadowed and have that relationship from him. And in Isaiah 4, 6, it reads this way. And there will be a tabernacle for shade in the daytime for the, from the heat, for a place of refuge and for a shelter from storm and rain. So there's an example of shelter. Then in Isaiah 32, 21, is there's refreshment. As rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Weren't we thankful for the rain? That was a refreshment. That's how God's love and promises should be in our own lives. In a dry, parched life. It should be that rain that softly falls on our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. And softens the soil so things can grow. We can grow spiritually from that. Now I want to go to verse 2. There is where we make a declaration that he is my refuge and fortress. My God in him will I trust. I still have to do my part. I still have to keep that relationship with him. God is always there. It doesn't matter what we do. God is always there. Does God withdraw from us? No. We withdraw from God. And so many times when we feel like there's, I don't have that close relationship with God, it's usually because of me turning my back on God and not drawing close to Him and having that close relationship. So that's my challenge to myself, to keep that relationship close. And as we look at verse 3, it talks about the snare, which is something that um, is a visible thing of human beings maybe, of, of humans. It's visible, something that we can see. The fowler used to use snares or traps to trap birds and things like that. It's something visible. What about the invisible that we get attacked by? Pestilence. There's lots of different things there. Sicknesses, disease. Satan likes to attack us, right? With accusations. Those are invisible, but they're in our minds. They draw us down, draw our relationship away from Jesus Christ and from God. So many times our lives feel like we are trapped. There's no way out of this. I can't get out of this. But God is there. He wants to take us out of that snare, out of that trap. Get us out of that downward spiral, whatever we're going through in life. He wants to lift us up. He wants to, he reaches down. He wants us to reach up and take his hand in a sense so that we can be lifted up, up out of that spiral. Verse 4 reads this way. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. A refuge Wings, feathers, that's of, that's of the natural state. That's of the natural creation of God. You, you visualize a hen, a bird. They want to cover their young. They want to protect them. They want to make sure that they don't get attacked. They want to make sure that they, we, they're protected from any attacks. Then if, as we look at the shield and the buckler, that's from human Something that humans make to protect ourselves. We make shields to protect ourselves. And it talks about the, uh, the armor of God as well. The shield of faith to protect us from the fiery darts of Satan. 
So there's lots of different things that we can use there. Verses 5 and 6. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste in noonday. It's talking about lots of different time frames right there. Night and day, darkness, noonday. We can be attacked at any time of the day. It doesn't matter. Satan wants to bring us down and talks about arrows. There again, it has to do with the human, something that's made by humans. We get attacked by our fellow workers. We get attacked by our family members and being brought down. But it's the human foes that are seen. We can see that. But then the pestilence shows up again. It's unseen foes. Whether it's diseases, sicknesses, or there again, Satan attacks us. And trying to influence what we think about ourselves, our self-worth. Where's our worth uh, laying? In myself or in God? Where's my self-worth? Verse 7 reads this way. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right side, right hand, but it shall not come near you. There again, it's, it's talking about catastrophes. Lots of things that happen. Natural. Man-made. What's man-made? Wars. Rumors of wars. And there at the end it says, but it shall not come near you. Now we can also look at that and say, well, God, what does that really mean? All of these promises that are here, we have to take it with a grain of salt. It doesn't mean that we'll get untouched well, that we'll all be untouched, even if we're believers of God. We are going to get sick. We are going to get attacked. But we have security in God's promises in the Bible to carry us through. Not only that, we have fellowship with fellow believers that can lift us up. And that's what we're called to do, to carry each other up through those things. Then I had to, it was also brought to my mind, sometimes what's used as a benediction in Numbers 6, 24 and 26. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. There we have another promise from God that we can claim when we're being, uh, feel like we're defeated in life, feel like we're defeated in lots of different areas in our lives. There's so many psalms that we can reflect on. Psalm 37, at verse 8, it talks about, only with your eyes shall you look and you see the reward of the wicked. Psalm 37 says, it gives the examples of the reward of the wicked. But then there's also promises if we follow God in Psalm 37. Verse 9 Sort of gives us an introduction. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. Sort of an introduction to what is coming. Of the blessings. And later on in some of the later verses there, it talks about the blessings. That God is speaking to us. Verses 10 and 12, 10 through 12, promises of protection. Promises of protection. And uh, 
talks about angels there. Hebrews 1.14 says, Are not... Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? God has angels that watch over us. So many times I take that for granted. You look back and say, how did I survive that? What brought me through that? God has made angels to be able to be our protectors. We can't worship angels. They are a created being as human beings are. But we have to remember, God has put different things in place for our protection. And then also, we can't twist those verses to make them fit into our own lives. Or to almost manipulate God. God, you said this in these verses. What, what's it say? For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. We can't use that wrongly. Satan beat us to that. Out in the desert, he tried to use, he quoted those verses when he was tempting Jesus. So he's trying to twist God's word. We have to be aware. There's lots of people that like to twist God's word. Let's not be deceived in that then in verse 13 as we look at that it says you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot it gives us confidence that we can th do things through Jesus Christ through the leading of the Holy Spirit but there again we have to rely on God but we have to do our part. We have to continue to claim him as our Lord and Savior. So as we look at verses 3 through 13, there's lots of promises there. But we have to also remember it is still the will of the Father, the difficulties that we go through. And what am I supposed to be learning from this? Lord, what can, how can you help me through this? What do I need to do? What need, do I need to learn? Not always easy. In Luke 21, 19, it says, By continuing to have faith, you will save your lives. But I think that's talking about your, our spiritual lives in an internal sense. Not necessarily our physical lives. But if we have faith in Jesus Christ, he's going to continue to help us. Romans 8, 28, here's some more promises. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And then another verse that partners right along with that, verse 30, 38, found in Romans 8. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Lots of promises in the Bible that we can claim. And I think so many times I forget to take the time and to just sit back and soak in all those promises in God's word. And then we're looking at verse 14 through 16. This is where God is speaking directly to us concerning his promises. Because he has set his love upon me, talking about man and believing in God, 
Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And one of the questions I always had there, what does he mean by long life? A long life might be a couple days. A long life might be seven, eight years old. A long life might be 90 years old. Time has no meaning in God's realm. But once we have completed our task here on this earth, our days are numbered. That's a long life. God will call us home. We don't know when that happens. But we need to be ready. So in conclusion, I would like to challenge myself and you guys that we can have joy in our eternal salvation. And with all those promises that we just read, we can go back and look at that. And sort of a recap of Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2, we can have confidence in our Lord and Savior. There's refuge there. We know He's going to protect us. Verses 3 through 13, there's lots of encouragement there of the different things God's going to do, can do for us. But his, by His will. Verse 14 through 16, there's some more promises there from God. And I remember one other time I had shared with you that there were a lot of promises in God's Word for us that we can take. And Dr. Everick R. Storms had put together, did some research. There are 7,487 promises in the Bible for us personally. So I guess if you want to sit down and try to find all those promises, we know that we have a great God, a God that loves us. Through hardships and through good times as well. So let's not forget to worship Him and honor and glorify Him. So let's pause before God and give Him the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we are reminded that there's so many promises in your word that we can claim, that we can rest in those promises, knowing that we have salvation through those promises. But Lord, we need to commit our lives to you. We need to live for you. We need to keep that relationship going with you by spending time in your word, by spending time in prayer, seeking your will knowing what you want us to do, Lord. And especially in the world that we live in, a chaotic world, so many times it just feels like we are spiraling downwards. We're caught in a snare. We're caught in a trap. But you are there to release us. And thank you so much that we have those promises in your word that we can go back to and be reminded that you care about us. So as we go forth, help us to remember, help us to look for those promises in your word and to apply it to our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.